What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Sports Ethos Bulls Show. I am your host, Mr. Keith Cork, here with my good buddy, fellow Bulls fan uh, and fellow Illinoisan, Trey Hill. Trey, I have to kind of apologize to our listeners a little bit here. We kind of sprung it on them that we were taking this show over from, from uh, Greg over there. Uh, who, like I said, if he wants to get on the show or, or be involved or even put out his own show, is totally fine uh, under the Sports Ethos monitor, moniker. It's not going to bother me at all. But uh, we did take it over a little bit. He's been a little busy, so we just decided, hey, we, we want to put shows about, about the Bulls. We were doing bold statements, bold predictions, uh, and we're just kind of doing a little bit of a pivot here to talking just straight Bulls because we were talking too much Bulls already. Anyways, on our other show. Uh, and, man, I'm excited. I apologize for our, our listeners out there because I didn't really give a full explanation of that. So today, guys. This show right now, Trey and I, we're going to introduce ourselves to you. We're going to show you why we deserve to talk to you about the Bulls, why you got to listen to us about the Bulls. Uh, Trey, are you ready, man? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> I'm excited, man. I, I, you, Like you said, you know, we were talking a little bit before we got on here. Uh, I could BS Bulls for about uh, seven hours if we had to. Uh, we don't have an agenda for today. We usually have agendas for the show. I've been so super busy with catching up because of all the traveling I did for the holidays. I didn't have a chance to put anything together, but we do have some exciting stuff to talk to you about. But I think first and foremost, what we have to do is we have to introduce ourselves. So, yes, I'm Keith. Uh, just to kind of give you my backstory. Um, as far as is my myself and Bulls fandom goes, uh, you know I've been a Bulls fan since basically the second three P. Uh, I was a little young during the first three P. I mean it was on TV. My whole family um, back in Illinois, back where I was from. I'm from originally. I'm from if you know where Elgin is, which is about uh, you know 30 45 minutes west of of Chicago. If you go even further west of that to the boonies to the to the farmland, that's originally where I'm from, which is actually Burlington, Illinois. But even back then, even out in the boonies where we had, you know, the old school TV with the rabbit ears and you only got channels 2, 5, 7, 9, 11, and 32, and 50, uh, we would all huddle around the, the TV for Bulls basketball uh, when Michael Jordan was playing because it was just, it was the best show on earth. There's nothing you could, you could beat, you, it, nothing could beat it. Um, so, you know, I would ask you, Trey, where did you start becoming a Bulls fan? But that's just that's a given. I mean, 99% of the people are going to say Michael Jordan, 90 Chicago Bulls. Uh, that's where you became a Bulls fan. I'm sure it is. Uh, same for me. Uh, so instead, I'm going to ask you just to give me your Bulls story. So uh, tell me, you know, tell me, tell me a little bit about your fandom. You know, how long you've been following the team, uh, all that good stuff. I'll let you just freely talk about it. You say that, but it's funny. My my earliest memories of basketball, I vaguely remember the ninety eight the ninety eight title right before Jordan retired. But I my my dad, my family, they weren't basketball fans growing up, and he always claimed the TV. So I didn't I didn't really get to enjoy any of Jordan. But being from Illinois, um, 
we were raised to be, you know, a Lion Eye fans. We were raised to like to love the Chicago Bears. That was my dad's team. So I had this real uh, loyalty to anything that was Illinois related. And so the first team I really remember following is the team after the team that was like the worst team we ever had. Just that <laughs> team after Jordan. And Pippen. That's the first team I was ever invested in. And so while I. I obviously loved Jordan as just, you know, like the idea of him in terms of just concept of knowledge. Everything I know about Jordan is stuff I've went back and rewatched. So for me, like my the first like group I remember loving are like those Kirk Heinrich, Luol Ding, Ben Gordon teams. And so yeah. like that that's those were the first good teams. I, I rode with the bad ones, but yeah, they're not nearly as much like- fun to talk about. Yeah, that's not too far off. I mean, honestly, like I say, I, I you know, obviously, like I said, we, we huddled around the TV and watched watch Michael Jordan, but I wasn't really old enough to really understand basketball. When I started actually getting into basketball and playing it, I played at the high school at the varsity level for uh, all four seasons. And um, I was a starter, and then I was benched, and then I basically got out of the ro- fell out of the rotation. I wasn't that great of a basketball player. Uh, we can go over that a little bit more, but um, but yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I, you know, I wasn't really old enough to really understand what was going on until it was like those really terrible teams where like Dickie Simpkins was like dribbling the ball at the court, and like we had Corey Benjamin, and we had uh, Andrew Lang, and we had Elton Brand was like the big steal because we got him, and he ended up being no, he a was good, of the and, year. Then, and then we got rid of yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, we we end up trading him. Um, it, you know that it was just it was a real real um, bummer to have to watch those games and listen to those games because I wanted them so badly for them to win. I just believed in my heart that the Bulls were going to win basketball games because that's all I knew when I was a little kid. It was the Bulls win basketball games. It was like a given. And uh, and then like you know like you said those terrible teams it just it, it just didn't work out that way but uh, so it's very similar for me like I said you know I did I did play basketball in high school <clears throat> and uh, and middle school uh, I was a pretty good player when I was younger because uh, I was about I'm, I'm about five eight and, and a half five eight and three quarters on a good day <laughs> so uh, you know I was at size when I was in like fifth and sixth grades so I played center. And then all of a sudden, all these other guys, you know, shot up around me. And it's like, now I have to play guard and, and dribble the basketball. And uh, I wasn't so good at that part. Shooting the basketball, I was decent at. I uh, I made all-conference one year because um, I did shoot the basketball, like, I don't know, something like 45% from the three-point line uh, for one season. And, and then I just, I lost it. You know, it's just like, and you look at Duncan Robinson in the NBA now, like, it happens to even the best shooters uh, in the NBA. So I don't feel too bad. But uh, at the same time, you know, I mean, I never really was that great. So it's okay. Uh, but I did get to play against Jeffrey Jordan, which is Michael Jordan's son. That was actually before high school. That was, uh, I believe, in middle school. I went to the five-star basketball camp, and he was at that camp. And so was Marcus Jordan, which is his youngest, uh, youngest kid. And uh, yeah, Jeffrey Jordan got into a game with me and blocked my shot, and he it was a clean block, and the ref called a foul. Uh, so you know what? I'm gonna take my wins. I'm gonna take my W's. It wasn't a foul. I know it. I told him on the court at that time, uh, I got two. I got two free throws though off of uh, off of a Jordan. So that's my claim to fame when it comes to playing. Uh, but you played a little bit of basketball, didn't you, Trey? I mean, I did nothing. Nothing even like what you did. I was just a backup in high school to uh, you know a team that was pretty decent. I'm I'm six foot three, six foot four in shoes, so I had a little bit of height to me. That was about all I had. And uh, really, my you said to come with a Bulls story. Um, I don't have anything like that. But 
I was able to, I moved to an area the year that M, that Rose won MVP. I moved to an area specifically so I could get the package where I could get the Bulls games. And that was the first year I was able to watch all 82 Bulls games. And I just thought, I love the fact that it lined up perfectly with that season. So that's just something I always remember fondly. Because Rose, Rose is my personal favorite Bull ever. I know at, most people say Jordan, but like he's just my dude. He's also from Illinois. You know, so that always holds a special place in my heart. Same with Io now. But that that was my bull story I had to come with was the stars aligning for my first 82 game season being that one. People always ask, you know, it's like, where were you in the towers collapse? Where were you when Derrick Rose tore his ACL uh, in the playoffs against the 76ers? What were you doing? I was sitting on my couch, just <clears throat> sad. Yeah. Like I, I even remember, I even remember looking over at my friend and saying, "Why is he still in there?" Mm. Like I, because I, I had been a big Thibs needs to like give these guys a break. We need them to be fresh in the playoffs. Like I'd been, I'd been ranting and raving about it all year. So like I, I was already frustrated before he got hurt. And I know with the way he played, he was so explosive and so herky jerky. He was always going to get hurt. Like, I, I understand that. But I just feel like yeah. he was definitely pushed to the limit. And I, I remember just sitting there, and I had said something before, and I just I just sat, like, with my, my head in my hands, <laughs> just distraught. Yeah. Right. It was uh it was a rough, it was a rough time. I, I do recall very specifically that when it happened. Um and it was it was kind of weird because obviously it was a playoff game, so it was kind of a, a big game. I, at the time, I was living with three other dudes in a house that all were into basketball. We would basically watch every Bulls game together, uh, or we play we play two K. Like we we just you know basketball. We play basketball at the local uh, you know park or whatever. It was just basketball like twenty four seven. That was like basically our, our bonding thing, right? And for whatever reason, it was only me and my now wife at that time. It was my girlfriend, like sitting on the couch watching this game. And I just remember I, I just like put my head in her lap and I, I just I literally cried. I, I There were tears. Uh, I, I'm not too manly to, to admit that, you know, it did, I did cry for um, another man's just a very unfortunate event. It was really unfortunate. And, and I agree with you. I was I was saying the same thing. Uh, obviously, my wife, she doesn't really care that much about basketball. But I was telling her, you know, the same thing. I was like, why is he in there? We were up uh, now. The Sixers were making a bit of a run in that game. Uh, I know my best friend has pushed back on me a little bit on that. He's like, hey, they're making a run. And, and I did look at that box score. And it's a lot closer than I remembered it. But at the same time, man, it's like, um, yeah, I just I wonder what could have been if Thibs would have pulled those guys, um, you know, for, for that last. I think it was like five, four or five minutes of the game. Um, but, yeah, it was a sad time. That's a, that's a sad time. But uh but yeah, I mean, there were worse times before that, right? There was um, all those terrible teams. I, I'm actually friends with Marcus Pfizer on LinkedIn, so uh, maybe I can reach out to him there and get him on the show. That would be absolutely incredible. That was one guy that I kind of not after to how we've been talking about those teams. Yeah, well, you know, I feel like he always he always felt like he never got the opportunity he deserved. I kind of felt that way too. I thought he was kind of a skilled player, but uh, I don't know. I'm probably. Uh, blowing him up too much in my mind because he did go overseas and win. I think he won some championships actually overseas. I was looking him up recently. Um, looking up all those guys, I think Corey, Corey Benjamin was in like some some legal trouble. So, uh, but yeah, I, I've written for um, for, for sites like Fansided. Um, so if you know Pippin ain't easy, 
that's a, a bull set I did, I did write for them for a little while and then i also wrote for their for their wizards um uh program or, or, or site um but obviously i'm a huge bulls fan i watch all nba i watch like two or three games a night but uh but i, I don't miss a single bulls game um if i can't watch it i'll listen to it on the radio and i'll, I'll watch it later that's why i love league passes because you can rewatch games um i love to re- i'm a stay-at-home dad during the day so it's something that i can pop on the tv while i'm playing with toys with my two-year-old and uh you know I, i'm not obviously watching as intently as i want to but i'm still watching some basketball i still catch those games um so guys you know every single game that we'll we'll be watching uh, mondays and wednesdays i won't be available but uh we will have a game recap for you if it's just me that has to hop on or if it's trey and, and i'm and myself uh, which i hope it will be then uh, you know we'll, we'll hop on and give you some thoughts just like we did for that brooklyn, brooklyn nets game um but yeah this season man it, it, trey it's night and day compared to what we've been used to uh so far as bulls fans so uh what, what AK you... and eversley have put mm-hmm. this team together in less than two years and i know i know um the previous regime brought in zach but they they gave us no indication that they could do anything and to just see competent management combined with competent coaching it I've I've never been this hopeful as a Bulls fan. Even even when you know we had Rose and and Ding and Noah, I had those reservations because of the front office. And where we're at now, I think is just it's the best place I think I've been as a as a Chicago Bulls fan. It's exciting, and they've obviously started way hotter than even you or I would have anticipated. We had our show and we were talking about. Um, preseason win totals and you know we had them in about in that 45 to 47 win uh valley which um we felt we were being a little bit homerish i think uh, at least i did having them that high um I, but, I actually had them at 48 wins before that uh, show started and i bumped it down to 47 because i told yeah. myself i was being too much of a homer yeah but but we did watch i mean we watched like you said i watch every single Bulls game i watch all the preseason i watch all the summer league games um and and just it's different and I tried to explain this to one of my friends because he said, you know, basically he was like, oh, it's preseason, calm down. And he's um, he's into basketball. He watches a lot of basketball. But you have to be in, 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 into it at a totally different level to really see this stuff. And what I saw on the floor was, um, you know, every single action in the game just looked different. It looked snappier. Um, the way that the, the teams had to guard us because we had so many different weapons just looked different. So it opened up some – like Zach Levine's never had – uh, another all-star until they got Vucevic, and now they've got Vucevic, they've got DeMar DeRozan, and arguably, I mean, Lonzo Ball, I mean, he if he was on another team, he could be an all-star. He's an all-star level talent, in my opinion, so um, I hope you, uh, do you agree with that? I Yeah, I think so. What, what it really is for me is we saw in the preseason how the pieces fit together. We saw the spacing that this team was going to have with having Vucevic out there and having, you know, ball out there spacing the floor, Zach being able to shoot like he can, Patrick Williams being good from three before he went out, and now Caruso's in, who's also shooting, I think, 33% from three, which, you know, isn't great, but I bet he shoots better from the corners. I just don't have those pulled up. The the playmaking, though, I think, has been the thing that's really unlocked this team because when DeMar or Zach get doubled, they can when they get the ball out and then it's that four-on-three break, like that four on three mini break, we have guys like Lonzo Ball who can make a great pass to an open shooter. Or Vucevic has also shown that he can make great passes like from both inside the post and even creating kind of at the elbow. 
I just, it all just fits together for me. And I think DeRozan is getting to show the growth he had in, in San Antonio playing on a uh, talented team instead of kind of playing on a subpar team. I think what's um, what struck me that, about this team and even in preseason was just their defense. And, you know, people were saying that, that was the first critique that people had about the Bulls team was they aren't going to be great defensively. They've got Vooch, who's, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a turnstile on defense. That's not the case. I mean, the guy anchored one of the top defenses in Orlando for, for years. Um, but people were saying that that's what the, the common narrative was in, in, in sports media and ESPN and everything like that. So what struck me when I first got to see you know all the pieces together, like you said, is that their defense is just tremendous, especially the perimeter defense. When Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso are on the floor together, they just create turnovers. And that's just so valuable for this team because um, – and you brought it up before because not only – good defense also involves playing good offense. If you have good offense and you make a shot, it's way easier for you to get back and set up your defense. So it's, it's all about the flow of the game and controlling that flow of the game. And the Bulls do a fantastic job at that. They score efficiently, which helps them get back on defense. And then on defense, they have defense that actually generates turnovers, that generates offense, which is just incredible to me because it's not something that I'm used to seeing. I mean, we saw Thibodeau when he coached our team. Uh, obviously, we had great defensive schemes, but that's a little bit different. It wasn't necessarily about creating turnovers. It was about basically guiding them to certain shots and the whole NBA uses it now. Uh, you know, Thibodeau is an architect that, you know, the whole NBA just, just totally overlaid overloads one side and, you know, forces that, that shot that you want them to take, which, you know, was the mid range long, long twos. Um, and it's just something, you know, it was good defense, but it wasn't something that was exciting to watch because it wasn't something that generated necessarily turnovers and fast break points. And, and I, I, I haven't looked at the, the um, stats, but I would almost guarantee that the Bulls are near the top of the league in that stat. I'm going to look it up right now. But do you agree? I mean, how, what do you think about the, the defense this, uh, this season? Oh, the defense has been great. Lonzo, when Lonzo really amps up the pressure and Caruso's out there, they they just they create so much havoc and so much disruption from on the perimeter players. And the game is so perimeter-oriented with the pick-and-roll and everything. It's... It's great to watch the chaos. Um, you saw early against Brooklyn, it kind of bit, you know, it kind of came back to bite them. That aggressiveness kind of were, so they would they would come out, be aggressive, and then the back end would have to rotate. And Vucevic, he tries hard. He stays in position, like you said, he's not a turn, you know, he's not a turnstile, but he is big, and it takes him a second for his rotations. And they gave up some open threes in the corner early against Brooklyn, and so they they adjusted their their pressure up front. But whenever they get the chance to really like put the clamps on, like when Derek Jones Jr. is playing the five, uh, mm-hmm. and they can just really attack, it's a, a good defense makes an makes easy offense, and the Bulls are great in transition. Yeah, I, I was gonna say the problem, but it's not necessarily that's a misnomer. It's not the problem with Vucevic; it's the limitation with Vucevic is that he can really only play drop coverage, and the limitation with that. Last season was that you had also Laurie Markkinen in the lineup, um, and you know I, lo- I, I love. I think he I think he can switch on like twos and up like the really small point guards. We definitely I don't I don't want to see him switching some, but I I don't think you have to go full Rudy Gobert. You know, don't you ever come out and double style with him at least. 
it just seems like because you, like for instance in that, in that Nets game when he dropped and and you know Harden had that like look at him for three seconds and then shoot the three in the first quarter like it, it just seems like that's often what he does. Um, there are times when he's better at it, and there are times also when he closes out on three point shooters, and it's not the best, and people just go around him uh, or he or he commits a foul. Um, so I'm not I'm not calling him an incredible elite defender, but he's definitely not um, a net negative if you get him in the right positions, if you have the right personnel around him, which is what the Bulls did. And, and and it's a real bummer that they lost Patrick Williams because Patrick Williams was a huge part of that plan because Patrick Williams is that future, you know, current modern NBA wing that can guard one through five. Uh, and losing him and not having that switchable defense is a huge, huge loss. But Javante Green's done a great job. I, f- I feel like, um, you know, Derek Jones Jr. I feel like has done even better in that in terms of that aspect of it on the defensive side. So I, I do hope to see him quite a bit more um, now that Javante's in, in the health and safety protocols. Uh, and obviously Alex Caruso has stepped in and played the the four and, and been totally fine. And that's just the way the NBA is now. I mean, you've got, you know, at least four guys on the floor that can switch everything. Um, so, again, this is uh, Eversley and, and, and uh, Arturis have done a fantastic job just assembling this roster and getting the right personnel. Uh, and by the way, so, before, before I let you go, the uh, points off turnovers, the Bulls are fourth in the NBA. So they are definitely up there. And then um, fast break points are seventh in the NBA. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna bring another stat for you to hammer home the point. So um on points per hundred possessions right now, Chicago ranks eighth, hundred and seven point one. Which I imagine that would probably be a couple spots higher because it's the separation is less than a point to sixth. I think Patrick Williams would be worth that. And if the Bulls can continue to get stops and then to get out in transition, because Lon's Lonzo Ball is great at throwing those, you know, long full court transition passes to get guy to get the break running. And if Zach gets ahead of steam, we've seen what he can do all year. It's I just love how well well the team has come together because so often um, every offseason, you know, every team, every fan base can talk to themselves and say, oh, well, this is probably this is going to be our year. You know, two thirds of the NBA can do that. And this year, uh, as Bulls fans, we caught a lot of a lot of flack for being as optimistic as we were, and to just see it all come together is just—it's been very rewarding. I've been optimistic and wrong in the past. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I'm a fan uh, at heart. I'm still a, a fanatic, and uh, you know, I, I get carried away at times. So I think you know. I want to say it was like a couple seasons. Last season, I, w- I wasn't that excited. Uh, I was more excited probably for Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Butler and uh, Rajon Rondo than most people were. I still maintain that wasn't a terrible experiment in the, uh, in the, in the playoffs, they were doing fantastic until uh, Rondo broke his hand. So, um, you know, I don't think it was necessarily the worst thing in the world, but it did, it did kind of waste a year or two. So I do see people's points, uh, you know, when they said that, well, but speaking of that, what, what's a terrible bulls take you've had, or what, what's your, what's your bulls, uh, your worst bulls take in, in your memory here uh, that you've had that uh, hasn't come to fruition. Uh <laughs> that Dougie McBuckets was worth it. <laughs> I thought hey. I thought he was, I thought he was going to come in and I thought he was going to to have a Kyle Korver type, you know. Uh, um, oh, why am I drawing the blank? Uh, Joe Harris, uh, you know, a Duncan Robinson type role. I thought he was going to be just. I thought he was going to unlock the team, and it just it never happened. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's popping off a little bit in uh, in San Antonio. Um, it, what really got me with that is that uh, Garpax was like scouting him for like 
it feels like seven years. Like they were scouting him for like every year that he was in college. And like, even before that, I feel like, and uh, so, and then they had him like basically chosen before the draft even happened. So I was like, okay, well this is their guy. So obviously they know what they're doing. They, I mean, they had, you, you can say what you want to buy Garpex. Uh, and I think it was time for them to leave. And I think everyone was kind of fed up with them. Uh, but they had their moments. I mean, they got Jimmy Butler late in the draft. They had some some good draft. I picks, right? I, I thought of another one that that's rough. Okay. Uh, yeah. I I groaned when they drafted Joakim Noah. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I did, and I was so wrong on that. He he's like uh, he burns so bright for like three or four seasons, and then uh, he just had a short a short a short time in his peak. He didn't have like a short career. I think he ended up playing like eleven or twelve seasons, which is fine. Uh, it's a pretty normal length, you know, even a little bit long, but um, his peak was pretty short. But yeah, at his peak, he was really good. <laughs> I I think he's severely underrated in terms of when we look back on players because he was he was what ranked fourth in MVP voting that one year mm-hmm. because he got he got to show what he could do and he got to show how he could run an offense through the post, something that wasn't really being done a whole lot back then, and. Imagine it. I love Derrick Rose. He was obviously the guy that should have had the ball. But Joakim Noah could have, you know, ran the offense through him and had multiple years like that MVP kind of season if he would have had that kind of usage and been that kind of focus. And so I think I think it just shows how much of a team player he was, how tight him and Derrick were. I've heard, you know, I heard him on the Zach Lowe podcast just go into that. And I, I I love Joakim Noah, and I I hate to admit that I groaned when they drafted him. Well, speaking of uh, of guys running you know offense out of the post, we've got a pretty good one uh, in the next game here with the Denver Nuggets coming up tomorrow. Uh, Nikola Jokic obviously is the guy I'm talking about. Interesting fun fact: I was actually in the building for his second ever career triple double. Uh, which was kind of interesting. I had no idea who this guy was. Like, I, I, you know, I'm an NBA fan. I don't, at that point, I wasn't watching every single team. I was just watching the Bulls. Um, so I didn't really know who Nikola Jokic was. But, uh, you know, I, I get here and there's this whole section. I'm in the 300 level section because let, let's face it, I, I'm a broke ass biatch. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a whole section beside me that's full of Serbians. Uh, all chanting the whole game, Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic, and I'm like, who, who that? This this tall, skinny white this guy. Yeah, and and he drops a triple double, and and they beat the Bulls, and that was I think that was when the Bulls, I think that was during the the Jimmy Butler and and Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo years. So they were they were decent. They weren't great, but they were decent, and uh, they beat us. And I was like, "What?" And I like now I know who Nikola Jokic is because he just uh, just destroyed us. But yeah, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, any thoughts about what's what's coming up here and what the Bulls have to do to win this one? I I think they've got a pretty good chance. They're both both teams will have a day a day off in between, so they'll both be coming in fresh. But fresh for the Nuggets means no Jamal Murray and no Michael Porter Jr. still. I think Vucevic is a great guy to play defense on on Jokic because they're about the same speed level. You, you know what I mean? And so I'm confident in the in the defensive on the defensive aspect of it. And I just I like our team better than the Nuggets team. I think we match up pretty well with them overall, as well as well as you can match up with the Nuggets, but. When you play Jokic, you want to have a legit seven-footer out mm-hmm. there 
against him because otherwise he's just going to be looking over you and picking you apart with those passing lanes. Yeah, I think um, I think we match up well with them. They're also not playing super well right now. Um, so I think, you know, I think it's going to be something. And the Bulls are favored um, here by a few points. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We actually were, were planning on doing some wagers, but there's no wagers out right now. But we'll talk about that at the end. But, but yeah, I think the Bulls have to be favored in this one. They're, they're just the better team right now. The Nuggets are, I think, what, 10 and 11? Um, they're like slightly under 500, or maybe just exactly 500, somewhere around there. Um, so they're they're not doing so hot at the moment. Um, they're relying on Monty Morris and, and Will Barton to kind of carry load and Jeff Green. Um, that doesn't scare me. I, I think the Bulls win this one. I think it's um, it's possible that Jokic just absolutely goes off and they win. Um, but I don't think it's probable <laughs> in the least bit. But uh, hey, guys, we're dropping knowledge about the Bulls here. But if you want knowledge about everything else. Uh, be it fantasy sports or whatever, you guys need to go get the Sports Ethos 360 subscription. It's just $19.99 a month right now, which is an absolute steal. The Sports Ethos 360 Pass is the ultimate Sports Ethos experience for the fan that wants to win everything. And, yes, I mean everything, guys. Sports Ethos 360 subscription includes our Fantasy Pass, Wager Pass, and DFS Pass. So visit sportsethos.com to get started and get winning. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I think uh, – Again, it's it's going to be something where where uh, it's probable the Bulls win. What do you think? The what, what's your uh, guess for the final score here from this upcoming game? Ooh, final score guess. One hundred six ninety-eight. Oh, that's kind of low. It's kind of low. I'm going to go uh, one ten to one hundred two. Bulls, obviously. So I'll go a little, a little higher. Yeah. Um, let's see. They, they do have the, the total for points at 214. Um, so yeah, I mean, going back though, let's, uh, so here's a fun story. When I was playing, when I was playing a lot of basketball and watching the bulls and, uh, and all that kind of stuff, I think the guy I looked up to the most, um, was Mr. Captain Kirk Heinrich. And, uh, I'd love to see this guy involved with the bulls organization again. I think he's coaching basketball at like a high school somewhere or something, if I recall correctly. Does Caruso uh, ever give you Kirk vibes? Um, I think. I mean, I think that Caruso is a, a more talented player than Kirk Heinrich is. Um, I think he's a I, better Kirk Heinrich. I think Kirk Heinrich yeah. would, gave that same kind of effort and kind of was that same kind of defensive leader in a way on the perimeter, but. I think Caruso is just a better Kirk. Sorry to interrupt. I just had never really thought about that until just now, and I wanted to spit it out. <laughs> no, I think, um, yeah, Caruso, I mean, Caruso gives me those vibes and the fact that, like, I want it, like, the guy just gives 100% at all times, and there's never any quit. Um, and, and he is kind of the spark plug and, and kind of the heart and soul of the team. I think Kirk was, especially for those baby bulls. Um, obviously, Joakim Noah came in and became that guy for the Bulls when we started to get really good. And, and obviously Kirk had to take a back seat because Derrick Rose played the same position and, and was way better. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, Kirk kind of lost his, his, uh, his stance with that, but, but during that baby bull area with, with Ben Gordon and um, all those guys, again, I'm forgetting a lot of names, obviously Kirk Heinrich. Um, but he was, he was that guy that just brought it every single night, especially on the defensive end. Um, so yeah, I, I can see the comparison there, but I do think Caruso, I think Caruso is definitely a better shooter. Um, and I know it's weird because I think I, I want to say Kirk is still the, or he just got overtaken maybe by for most threes as a bull. I got to look that up now too. 
<laughs> well, but while it, you look that up, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Good. Oh, I was going to say, I was getting ready to ask you what you're looking forward to coming up for the Bulls. So while you look that up, after this Denver game, we we play, or I keep saying we, um, the Bulls play Cleveland on December 8th. That starts a two-week stretch where it's it's going to be the the Bulls getting to go against like all of these great rookies that I want to watch. So you've got Mobley with Cleveland, December 8th. Then we play Miami. They don't really have one. But December 14th, Kay Cunningham and the Pistons. The 16th, Scotty Barnes in Toronto. The 20th, we play Jalen Green and Alperin Shingun in Houston. The 22nd, we've got Scotty Barnes again. It's just a two-week stretch of great rookies to watch while you're also watching the Bulls games. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Um I, I'm looking for. I, I love all those guys too. Obviously, like you know, like you said, I watch more than just the Bulls these days. But um, especially Evan Mobley, I'm excited to see that guy uh, in action and see that Cavs team in action. I haven't watched enough of them. Uh, they continue to surprise. They they beat the spread again tonight. They were playing. Uh, oh gosh, who did they play tonight? Now now I'm, now I'm losing it. Uh, Utah. They're playing they Utah. Utah yeah. They lost by one. I. They lost by one. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been pretty impressive on what they've been doing. Um, I went on uh, I went on one of the shows. I can't even remember the name of it. And that's terrible of me. But and we ranked the coaches. And bird rights. Bird, bird rights. That was it. Right. Because I, I listened to I was just listening to his other podcast. And but yes, yeah, so we went on, I went on the bird rights podcast and we were ranking coaches. And I had Bickerstaff, I think 16th or 17th per pretty high and it was because I really liked this three big lineup and how they were how he was able to kind of use use sprinkling in the zone matchups to throw off offenses like the Bulls have seen time and time again with Zach and DeMar getting doubled and you know kind of kicking it out to someone that's not there or you know throwing a pass that gets tipped and the Cleveland's just done an excellent job of playing different and forcing teams to adapt to their style. So um, I agree, but I, here I was looking up the um, all-time leaders and Kirk Heinrich is still at the top of this list. He's made 1,049 three-pointers as a Chicago Bull. Can you guess, uh, first of all, can you guess who's second on that list? Can you guess the name of who's second? Sorry, you're muted, I think. Go ahead. Ben Gordon? Yep, it is Ben Gordon. Now, can you guess? So, so Kirk said a thousand and forty-nine. What? Do you, how many do you think Ben Gordon had? Eight hundred and thirty. Seven seventy. So that's a that's a gap of nearly three three hundred. It's about two hundred and fifty uh, threes short of him. If I'm doing math correctly, I think so. I might maybe two sixty. Um, so, anyways, yeah. And Zach Levine is fourth on this list at 614. Uh, now, of course, Kirk did play with the Bulls for 11 seasons. He played for most of his career. He went to the Hawks, and then he went to – where was it? It was like Orlando or something like that. And then he came back to the Bulls for a few seasons. Um, but most of most of his playing career was at the Bull, was in the Bulls. Uh, so 11 seasons, Zach's only been with the Bulls for five seasons. So that's less than half. Um, you know, and, and if he signs that max deal that we're all talking about, uh, I think he's got a really good shot of uh, overtaking Mr. Kirk Heinrich there. Do you think he's going to sign that max deal with us? 
There is no doubt in my mind that he is signing the max deal. It is 100% stamped done. Uh, Kirk only shot um, 37.5% or 37.6% on those three-pointers. So, eh, it's decent. It's not, I mean, it's not, that's pretty good, actually, I guess. 37.6. I, I want to say, like, the average that is, is like, that is good, especially, that, so. especially for the fact that he played in an era that didn't focus on it as much. So, I, I feel like that 37 has a little more weight than a 37 today, even. So, that's pretty, it's pretty decent. It's not bad. I'll take it. Uh, let's see. Zach, 614. Hold on. Let me do some math here. 614. And he's shot him. He shot him. He shot 1584. So let's see. What's, what do we got? What do we got there? 38.8%. So a whole percentage point better. And I think I think he'll definitely catch him. But yeah, I agree with you, man. I think I think all the moves in this past offseason, um, and that was one thing I was trying to tell people is that I don't think it's really even about this season. I think even the front office is surprised at the success they've had this early um, with this group because um, I think the plan ultimately was just to put these pieces around Zach, get him into the playoffs, show the world what Zach Levine is about because Zach Levine is yet to play in the playoffs, which is just insanity. This guy is just too good. And once that's done, uh, then he signs the dotted line. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he will get the max seal. I think he absolutely deserves the max seal. I think even though DeMar DeRozan has better numbers and, and is often the guy that gets the ball down the stretch in the fourth quarter, I don't think there's any stretch of the imagination to say this is still Zach Levine's team. He's still the guy that does the thing that makes your your jaw drop, and he's still the guy that goes out and gets a bucket when you absolutely need to, to stop something. I view him like – I mean, it's, it's kind of like a Devin Booker situation, right? Like Devin Booker is, is still that dude on that team but he's got so many other pieces around him, but he doesn't have to do it constantly night in and night out. Right. Yeah. He's like a better Devin Booker. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Here, here's a funny thing. And this is what I was working with the um, Washington wizards website. I was talking to some people there and uh, I wrote an article about who would you rather have on your team uh, to start your team? Basically, would you rather have Bradley Beal or Zach Levine? And at that time, and that was two seasons ago, at that time, I, I gave the, the edge to Bradley Beal. But I said, in a few seasons, we'll have to revisit this because I think Zach Levine has the higher ceiling. I think he's going to be a better player eventually. Do you think he's done that? Do you think he's better than Bradley Beal now? I do. I think this. I don't even know that I would have said it last season. I, I probably would have wanted to, but. This season, I think I can say that with a lot, with with pretty good confidence that I would I would easily take Zach as the guy who I would want to start a franchise with over Beal. I think he's yeah. the better player. I think uh, I think having the the rest of this team has allowed him to shine more on defense. I think his defense has really stepped up this year, which has been which has been a big deal for me. And Demar is the guy who has the ball a lot. But there are often times where when the clock's running down, DeMar will throw it to Zach because he knows that he's that he's that real three-level scorer. And with five seconds on the clock, it doesn't matter where he's at. He's going to get a good shot. I mean, either of those guys can get their shot. I, I, I don't think there's any argument about that. But, yeah, I think Zach can do it from more space on the floor. So that does make him more more the dude because, like you said, he can he can score from all three levels. Um who's going to end up with the most dunks. Uh, there was a, a Dunkin' Donuts promo pro they were doing this month uh, on Twitter I saw. Who's going to have the most dunks this month for the Chicago Bulls? And and the, literally the video that they attached to it was like uh, just all videos of, of Zach Levine dunking the ball. Uh, and he does. 
Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to say I did not mean that as a slight against DeRozan. What no, I no. love about what I love about his his game is he will he will go he will attack the guy guarding him with like eight with like nine seconds left on the shot clock. So he's got four seconds where he hits the guy with one or two moves, tries to get a quality shot. And if he if his guy plays really good defense and he knows I'm gonna have to take a heavily contested shot, he realizes, oh, I can just kick it out to Zach and he's going to get a better shot than me get taking this heavily contested shot. And the offense just flows so well because they play so well together. They both know that they're going to get their shots. Or if Zach doesn't get the majority of the, you know, if he doesn't get any shots down the fourth quarter and DeMar's taking all of them, that's because DeMar's getting the better shot. And they, they're playing for the team. They're not playing for themselves. It's just great to watch. Yeah, and uh, I just I'm, I'm trying to look up right now because I feel I feel like my my gut tells me that Zach is taking it to the bucket more this year than he did last year. I felt like he um, settled a bit for outside jump shots, which wasn't a bad thing because he ended up hitting it at such like an incredible rate, especially for a little while there. He was like he was like on a historic pace for a minute. Um, but I feel like he's taking it more to the rack now, and he's understanding that he this is that's that's what he needs to do. When the going gets tough, um, you know, when people are really crowding him on the defensive end, um, he needs to he needs to go to the back and get to the line. I mean, get to the line and shoot free throws, right? Well, I hate to burst your bubble. Um, uh, I wrong. He's actually this year he's thirty one percent of his shots are coming at the rim, whereas last year it was thirty nine. The year before that, forty four, then forty eight. Um, so he's not actually shooting as much at the rim. He's taking ten percent. Those shots are basically going to the mid range. He's he's learning from Demar is really where it's at. I think they've they've really lo- yeah uh, here it is even he's in the 90th percentile on long mid mid range shots. So outside of 14 feet, that 14 feet out to the three point line is where his shots have started to really flood in this year. Um. I'm looking at his free throw attempts too, um, and yeah, that that doesn't know. But it, it's kind of weird because this season everyone's down across the board in free throw attempts because of the the rule change. Um, so I feel like if if the rules were the same here, it'd be even higher than what it is. The most free throw attempts he's had in his career in a season is six free throw attempts game. He's at 4.8 right now. Um, but I feel like he, like I said, if, if the rules were the same here, he might be a little over six even. So I think I I think he's getting here's another of- here's another stat yeah. for you to help help back that up. Um this is from cleaning the glass. I'll give them the credit. Uh the stat is floor foul percentage. How many non shooting fouls did the player draw per team play? So basically how how many times are are guys just hacking Zach? How many times are they just is he just getting fouls? He's in the ninety fourth percentile and two point four percent. And he's also getting fouled on 8.8% of his shots, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's in the 73rd percentile in the league. So he he is definitely getting fouled at a very high rate compared to the rest of the league. So like you said, the rule changes make it seem like he's he's not getting as many calls as he should. But when you compare it to the rest of the league, Zach's been pretty elite in drawing fouls. My, my big gripe with Zach, because I, I was a big, Big Jimmy Butler fan, obviously. I mean, I just, I just love the guy. He just, he was emblematic of everything Chicago is. Hardworking, hard nose, um, doesn't do things the the way that you know people want him to do things. He, he's not, you know, the league now is, is all three pointers and dunks, and, and Jimmy's more of a head down, go to the basket, uh, just 
bat out of hell. Uh, if I'm going to get hit, it's going to happen. I'm going to still score. Uh, and I love the heck, I love the heck out of that. And I, I, I wish him all the best, obviously, in Miami. But uh, the, the big gripe I had with Zach getting him, and, it, and I understood the, the move at the time, so I wasn't, like, totally devastated. But uh, I just didn't feel like he was just an efficient scorer, right? I felt like he was more of a volume scorer in Minnesota, and I think the numbers do back me up on that. But man, this guy has just—he's grown every single year. He's he's been in the NBA or with Chicago, I should say, but in the NBA too. But um, yeah, he's just—he's an efficient scorer now. And the other gripe I had was that he didn't have great playmaking ability or you know, floor floor vision uh, when it came to teams doubling him and really crowding him and taking the ball out of his hands. He couldn't—he couldn't adjust to that. Now I think he's just infinitely better this guy i mean this kid's just gotten so much better he's you know he's only 26 years old i think he's still got a good four year four or five years in his prime and uh and yeah he's just he's gotten better at every single aspect of the game so i'm really impressed with this guy i hope he gets the the max deal um i mean did you see the same thing it looks like you're giving me a thumbs up so i'm guessing you probably did Yeah, yeah, his his efficiency has just risen since he got his first year in Chicago. It was pretty low. Uh, he only played the twenty four games, and he had one outlier year in Minnesota where it was. All, but it's just been trending higher and higher in terms of his offensive efficiency. Um, I I don't see a world where he doesn't get the max, and they're not signing it literally se- the second they can. Yeah, I don't. Um, I think the, the holdout is just strictly because you know this is just what you do um, to try to get the maximum money. Um, I, I I don't know. It's not really even a holdout. It's just a matter of you know let's wait until it's it's up. I mean I don't think Zach's at all upset with the organization. The only thing that would really be a bummer is an injury. Obviously, I, I hate to put that out there, but uh, you know it can happen. He's already had a major injury in his career. Um, recovered from it wonderfully. Awesomely, obviously. I, he's, I think they, I think they would still resign. I think they'd still sign him, though. To be honest, after another major, like if it was another major injury, uh, I don't know. What do you think? You think so? I mean, if it was a knee, I'd be more worried about an Achilles. But I, I just, I think with the way this team is built and the way the salary cap is, you're, if you don't sign him. Then what? You're not going to have the money to replace him. It's it'll it would literally be like just losing the asset. So to me, I you he, they might not get the max out of him if he suffers a, you know some something terrible. But I think barring that, there's there's no way he's not he's not getting signed immediately. And with the way the uh, CBA works, he would have mm-hmm. had if Lonzo or not Lonzo if Zach would have signed the contract last off season the extension, it would have cost him. Uh, like a, I think an eight percent raise, basically. So, waiting a year was just kind of a no-brainer for him, given the market. There's not really a whole lot of free agents out there, and there's going to be some teams with cap room. So, to me, I think I think it's a a win-win situation for Zach when it comes to the free agent market, and I think the Bulls will basically kind of be at his mercy. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, you know, like I said, you said it way more eloquently dead than I did, but yeah, I think it's just a smart financial move for him. He's going to get his maximum money out of that situation. So I don't think he's unhappy in any sense of the word. So don't, don't buy any of those uh, rumors out there. They're like, Oh, they should trade Zach Levine. That was happy. You remember when the season was about to start, they were like talking about how like 
Uh, oh, I don't know if he's going to sign. I don't know if you know he wants to be there. Why would he not want to be there after after they assembled that team? But um, I I, but, I do remember hearing that because the the argument was the season's going to start. Demar Derozan and Zach Levine are not going to be able to play together, and you know you've got Demar for the next three years. What happens if Zach just leaves? You should trade him when you see that pairing isn't going to work. That that was the narrative I heard from you know the negative people trying to talk down about this this all star pairing. I mean they're both they're both all stars. I think. Yeah. It's pretty much a lock. Yeah. You, do you think they both make the all star team then? For sure. Yeah. I think I think they're both I think they're both a lock. Yeah, I think those two guys have to. I mean, I think I think Vooch is the guy that's really taken the, the back seat, and, and I think it's totally fine. I think he's totally fine with that also. Um, but you were telling me, I mean, you were talking on the on the, on the Nets episode about how uh, he's still just filling that role, though. He's he's doing everything that he needs to do, and that makes me happy. And also, you know what else makes me happy, Trey, uh, is that I'm totally in love with the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped. This package also comes with amazing liquid formulations to keep the boys fresh on and off the court. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. It's time to keep your testes clean and ready for battle. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. We are Sports Ethos, but all of our promo codes are still HoopBall, I believe, which was our former name. Uh, so if, if there's any confusion there, that's what it's all about. But, yeah, you were, you were saying that he was basically, um, you know, he's he's adjusted to his role. Uh, and he's kind of taken – it's a, it's a backseat, but he's doing – the things that he needs to do. So I, I hate that. It's always a perception thing more than it is an actual skill thing because, the, you know, we see it all the time. Guys go to a different situation and they just blow it up and they're just incredible. Vooch could average 25 points and 10 rebounds in this league. He did for years, right? <laughs> he did. His, his usage rate's down about 5%. He So he's went from like the 96th, 94th percentile down to 88th, which it's not a huge drop. I think, I think Vucevic is he's getting almost almost like I mean the the numbers bear it out he's getting almost as much usage not quite as much but he's just his role is different like you said he he's here to facilitate for Demar and for Zach he's he's there to catch the pass and then to make another pass and he's great at that because he is such an excellent passer he's averaging three point nine assists the same as Zach. Um, I love the fact that we've got DeMar at 4.1, Lonzo's at 5 even, 3.9 for Zach, 3.9 for Vooch, 4.1 for Caruso in terms of assist. The team just shares the ball so well, and the reason they're able to do that is because they have a center like Vucevic who can keep the ball moving, who can make those passes, and just have the offense continuously flow and just put pressure on those defenses until they break. I, I love it, man. And, um, you know, I think I think that there is going to be more depth added here also on the Bulls before the trade deadline comes and goes. Um, I do think they're going to go out and get somebody because Patrick Williams was injured. And I, I know they qualified for a injury exception for him. He wasn't making a ton of money, but they should recoup some of that money. I believe they're going to have enough money to add another contract, and especially if they end up shipping somebody out that makes up any kind of money. So, you know, I, I didn't have any time to, to put together a list. I think we're going to do that, though, probably next weekend is we're going to go over just a list of guys you'd like to see the Bulls go after if they do add a body. Uh, and, and you know, I think you're probably in agreement with me here. But I think what they would need to add is they would need to add exactly what Patrick Williams was doing, you know, a 3-4 hybrid kind of guy. 
that's able to guard basically one through five, like like basically an Aaron Gordon. You know, I'll throw that name out there. He he's making a lot of money. Those are probably not him. Uh, I'm looking at a Jeremy Grant who's also making a lot of money. So I I don't know how that would work exactly. You'd have to I'd have to run it through the trade machine. Um, but guys like that. I mean, are there any guys off the top of your head that that pop off besides those two that would be nice to have on the Bulls? No, you stole you stole both of them. I stole them. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm sorry. That I had just you know right <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, but no, that's the kind of that's the kind of role that they need. Um, nobody nobody comes to mind. Um, I mean, like if you could get a Sabonis from Indiana who could play the five, um, I think Derek Jones Jr. has shown he can play the five perfectly fine, but he also can excel at the four. And you know, so I think Sabonis could play. Like if he was someone that was available, I wouldn't mind having him because uh, he also is such a great passer. Uh, he would be able to help the offense flow just as well. Um, that's really yeah, the only. Think, I don't think Indiana's going to part with that guy, though. He's he's. Uh, I mean, I think I, I hesitate to call him special because I think he's he's an all star. He was an all star last season, but I think Miles I Turner is the guy that goes from that team. Yeah, right. If yeah. if they decide they're going to pull the trigger on a trade, I think it's Miles Turner going somewhere. Hopefully, yeah, Golden I State. Think, yeah. Oh man, that'd be incredible. Uh oh, gosh, Golden State. I. Oh man, I, I wish we were doing the show back after that game. I would have had some choice words from my guy Steph Curry because uh, you are he, you are the biggest Steph Curry hater. I, don't I know. Hate I saw him. you I hating on Steph enjoy, Curry on no, no, Twitter I enjoy watching today. Him. I enjoy no, no. I enjoy watching. I did hate on Steph Curry. Today. I enjoy watching him play. But like I said in my in my Twitter post, if it was the eighties and nineties, you do that little shimmy after you shoot that three. I, I mean, you have like Dennis Rodman or somebody coming after you. It wouldn't be like right when it happens. It'd be like the next play. You know, like boxing out for a rebound. All of a sudden, you're in the stands. Uh, that's kind of how I envisioned that going down. Uh, it, it's just kind of, it, it's fine. It's a different world now. And I'm just an old fart that has had trouble uh, adjusting to it. But uh, yeah, it, it did kind of, it does kind of irk me when he does stuff like that. <laughs> but obviously you don't feel the same way. <laughs> oh, I, I, I enjoy it. Um, yeah. The shimmy doesn't really bother me. I love, I, I like all of the stuff. I, I feel like they put so much effort into it. They put so much time into it. There's so much emotion going on in that it's, I would much rather them let it out like that rather than like yelling at the refs or, you know, or try, you know, that that's, I just enjoy it. I like the showmanship. <laughs> All right. So we do have the Nuggets coming up tomorrow, but um, let's look, let's take a look at the you know games that we have coming up. You already mentioned some of them. They got the Cavaliers, they've got the Heat, they've got the Pistons, the Raptors, Lakers. Um, so those are the next six games there. I just rattled off for you. Um, so outside of, you know, obviously tomorrow's game, we're looking forward to that, but you know, are, are we looking forward to this Bulls heat rematch here? On uh, December 11th, um, did we beat them the first game? I can't remember now. I think so. <laughs> Good question, right? Uh, no, we lost to them by three points. We lost them by three points. Okay, so it was a so, close game. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to call that game. Go ahead. I, I'm not as excited about that one just because Bam's not around. Oh, I this the Cleveland game is really the one I want to watch. I think Cleveland is for real. Like I said earlier, they have the easiest schedule left in the league and they're already like pretty primed to be in playoff position. Uh, so I want to see how we, how we handle matching up against them. I know we beat them earlier in the year, I believe. 
Oh, yeah, I'm actually I'm looking at this this heat box score. I forgot about that that game. I was uh, in Illinois visiting family, but that was the game that Gabe Vincent went freaking four for eight from three pointers, and uh, that kind of ticked me off because it was like Tyler Hero was out, so I was like, oh, we got a chance to win this one, uh, and unfortunately, it was it was shut down and, and they beat us. But uh, yeah, so Cleveland, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, and I lied. We did not play. We have not played Cleveland yet. So I, I'm excited to see how we match up against them. The Laurie marketing game coming back. I, I love seeing him succeed outside of Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. I love seeing Wendell Carter Jr. succeed outside of Chicago, but not against not against the Bulls. But I think Cleveland is a legit playoff team, and so they're they're at pretty full strength. I think it's going to be a good matchup, and I'm excited to see how we match up against all that size because we have Vucevic. Uh, but that's really about it. I know Bradley's a great backup, but mm. in terms of battling three seven-footers, it that's a lot of size for this team to go up against. Yeah, it should be interesting. That's a that's a good one to look forward to. I agree. I, I do think you know I, I'm still probably sleeping a little bit too much uh, on the Cavs. Um, I don't I don't know. It's just hard for me to believe because they've been bad for so long. Uh, but no, I, they're they're good and they keep they keep proving me wrong. So uh, that should be a good one. That's coming up on Wednesday. Um, unfortunately, well, we might, we might do a, a show if I uh, get back and watch that show a little bit later, but, uh, we might not get a show out for that one, but that's okay. We will discuss it at some point. I am absolutely sure. Um, I'm not really too excited about any of these other games. Um, maybe the Lakers, uh, on December 19th, if like LeBron's playing and, and Westbrook's playing and, and Anthony Davis is playing, uh, which, you know, it's always a crapshoot if, if one of those three guys is going to sit. Um, but that, I might be excited about that one. Good. The, a little bit further down the road, we've got another um, home and home with Atlanta, December 27th and 29th at Atlanta right. and then back to Chicago. I've really enjoyed those home and home games, kind of little mini series that teams have had. Um, so yeah. I am looking forward to that. We had one earlier in the year with Philadelphia um almost one with Detroit there was a New Orleans game sandwich and I was thinking we'd had more than one but yeah we had it with Philadelphia and now we're getting ready to have another one with Atlanta so that'll be fun well well all you listeners out there the Bulls currently sit in second in the Eastern Conference oh my gosh second through 24 games we are like a quarter of the way through the season here and we're just a half game out of first which is just incredible beyond my wildest dreams um the Wizards have fallen off a little bit. They're now 14 and 10. I know they they lost tonight. Um, the Heat, uh, you know, they've been a little up and down now. They have, they don't have Bams. So they don't really scare me. The Bucks are, are obviously they're going to keep climbing. I think they'll probably end up being the first seed again. Do you agree with that, or do you think the? I mean, between the Nets and the Bucks, I think either of those teams obviously. I think they're going to go one two. So I, I could see, uh, could honestly see the Bulls being three. What about you? That's how I see it shaping out. Milwaukee's been on a tear since Middleton's gotten back. And I think they finished uh, with the one seed. I think Brooklyn probably ends up with the two seed. I Kevin Durant's just too good to not eventually start taking over more. I thought James Harden had... I know he's used to being the playmaker and the creator, but given the lack of success he's been able to have with the new style of play, I think Kevin Durant, when... When it gets later in the season and he sees how things are trending, I think he's just going to start taking over more. And that he's 
he's one of the best three players in the league, and he's just an automatic bucket, so you can't go wrong with having that. So, but I think the Bulls are comfortably going to be a top three seed in the East. And this would be the segment of the show, guys, where we do uh, something like a weekend wagers type thing. Um, we were doing a show called Bold State, but it's not so bold predictions, where we were uh, giving you guys some uh, some gambling uh, bets that we liked. And unfortunately, there aren't. There's like two lines out right now. The Bulls are one of those lines. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, the Bulls are currently four and a half point favorites over the Nuggets. Uh, I guessed it'd be about five and a half. You guessed about six. They opened at five. Um, so that feels about right. I do like that, but I don't like it enough to actually place a wager in real life on it. How about you? Oh, I'm I'm not there either. Uh, if we had had bets, I was going to run with a Warriors-Bulls parlay just because mm-hmm. I wanted to tie the Bulls into it. And I was probably going to put the Suns in there because they're playing the Spurs. I think the Suns are going to be looking for some revenge. The Spurs are right. They've been playing, you know, really good basketball, but I think the, the Suns are going to get right back on track. Um and then the Cavaliers, Evan Mobley's had two, at least two blocks, I think, in like six or seven mm-hmm. straight games. I think that's pretty much a lock for him to get at least two. Or maybe mm-hmm. I would look at the numbers and try and find like see what it was if he got three or four. And if you could mm-hmm. get pretty decent odds on that, maybe just throw a couple dollars on that because it, he's so long and he challenges the most shots in the league. So it. It's never it's never a bad bet when you have a guy who's like seven foot three with that kind of wingspan challenging the most shots in the league to get a few blocks. Yeah, if you guys are a part of the wager pass, there's been quite a few Evan Mobley lines thrown out here in the last uh, week or so. Um, there's been threes also. He's been hitting threes recently uh, at a pretty good rate. So there's been a, a few of those as well. Um, but guys, what we do, we, the reason we're plugging this is because we want to let you know that. Whatever you bet on, where you place your bets is just as important, if not more important, than what bets you're putting down. That's why you need to go with the best, the most trustworthy, and a sportsbook with the best odds. You need to go with my bookie. And if you sign up and enter the promo code HOOPBALL, that's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, you get your first deposit matched halfway up to your first $1,000. That means if you put in $1,000, you get an extra 500 guys, and you get to go play with that money. But uh, Trey, man, uh, yeah, I mean, we had no plan for this show, and I feel like it, it went pretty decently. I hope <laughs> I hope people enjoy listening to it. Uh, talked a little bit about Bulls past, talked a little bit about Bulls present. I guess we'll have to hit Bulls future, uh, hit, the, hit all three ghosts for the um, Christmas Carol special. But, uh, no, it was fun, man. I, I hope uh, I hope everyone enjoyed it out there. I am Keith Cork. You can find me on Twitter currently at, at Keith. And, Trey, where can the people find you? At Final Finally. So go follow us on Twitter, fellas and gals, and all you Bulls fans, and we will keep rocking it here. And hey, man, go Bulls, go beat those Nuggets. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.